You're now tuned in to the Millionaire by Morning podcast. The only podcast designed to make our listeners millionaires through mindset. Through mindset. Motivation. Motivation. Mastery. Mastery. Meditation. Meditation. And manifestation. And now your host, Rashad Thurlkill. Entrepreneurs, business leaders, CEOs, general managers, they all face one of the greatest and most vexing challenges, which is how to grow the business faster and outpace their competition. Despite many attempts, there has not been a consistent methodology on which they can rely to generate real and sustainable revenue growth. That's why they continue to struggle with the deceptively simple yet fundamental question, what do I do on Monday morning at eight o'clock to grow my business? Dr. Philip Bousseau has developed a new methodology to cut the Gordian growth knot and deliver sustained growth. It's a universal data-driven and prescriptive approach to accelerate any business, regardless of its size, location, or type of products and services it sells. It is based on the profound insight that maximum growth can only be achieved when the business and its target market are perfectly aligned, just like fine gears between the two plates of a mechanical watch. Dr. Brousseau will tell us about this new approach, why it matters to you, and we'll talk about his bestseller book, Aligning the Dots, and his television series, The Alignment Zone, that was recently launched and that delivers a clear answer to the Monday morning question. Why is Philip Bousseau qualified to give these answers? Well, a little bit about his background. Felipe was the founder and CEO of G2i, a Unix software company. He managed the Milestone Group for half a decade. He also founded and ran Apple's Worldwide Internet Commerce Group, where he ran the online Apple Store and grew his revenue from zero to 350 million under Steve Jobs. Today, it generates over $25 billion for Apple. Philip was a general partner in two venture capital firms and has served on 21 board of directors, including three today. During his management consulting career, Philip led over 210 management consulting projects. Philip is currently managing Blue Dots Partners, a firm focused on helping companies with over 10 million in revenue grow faster using a unique, universal, data-driven and prescriptive methodology. Philip graduated in Paris and holds a BS in mathematics, a MS in physics and a PhD D in nonlinear physics and chaos theory. It is my pleasure to introduce Dr. Philip Bousseau, bestseller author of Aligning the Dots, host of the Alignment Zone television series, speaker, growth expert, venture capitalist, CEO, entrepreneur, board member. Philip Bousseau has been in Silicon Valley for 31 years, founding, growing, and running a number of businesses and learning a few lessons along the way. Welcome to the show, Dr. Philip Rousseau. Thank you, Rashad. It is a pleasure being with you this morning. Thanks a lot, man. Um, I see that you are well accomplished and 
that's why I wanted to reach out to you and conduct this interview. Maybe you can give uh, some insight to my listeners. Um, the Aligning the Dots book, it seems to be a type of blueprint. So I would like to uh, go a little bit into the book. What gave you the uh, motivation to, to create this particular creative work? Well, that's a great question. You know, I, I have been in Silicon Valley for 31 years, as you mentioned. Um, and, and growing a business has been, to me, you know, the most frustrating and difficult challenge that I've seen as an entrepreneur myself, as a CEO myself, as a, you know, as a business leader, but also I've seen it through, you know, hundreds of thousands of entrepreneurs that I've met through my, through my VC uh, experience. And um, the growing the top line revenue is critical. It's, it's a matter of, of survival. I mean, I met with Brecken Darrell a couple of years ago. He's the CEO of Logitech. Um, and Brecken told me, he said, look, there is only growth or death. And, and he's absolutely right. If you are, if your business is not growing faster than your market, that means that your competition is, and they are taking away market share uh, from you, and you're basically on a path to become irrelevant. They're gonna just own the market, and you're not gonna be a player. And so, you know, the growth is critical to survive, but it's also, in my opinion, the only way to generate real and sustainable value. If you want to create value for your shareholders or for your uh, partners in a business, you have to grow that business. If you are declining, then nobody is going to say, you know, it's going to reward you for that. So I wanted, and I've been struggling with this challenge for many, many years about what do I do on Monday morning at eight o'clock to grow the business? And and it's a relatively simple question. And I'm thinking of this question like, what do I do on Monday morning at eight o'clock to be a good parent? Everybody wants to be a good parent. There's thousands of books about parenting, but there is no way to do it. There is no single way. You cannot go to a class and become a quote unquote good parent. So, and the reason is because every child is different and in the same way in business. Well, I, I don't think you should talk about it, but I think they should read it. And, and the reason is because it brings a new way to solve that problem. And I'm gonna tell you what it is uh, at a high level. I, the big insight I had back in 2014 was that business can only grow as much as possible within a target. Again, the growth is always relative to the market, right? The market is growing at a certain pace and you have to compare your growth rate to that market growth rate. And what happens is if you want to grow as much as you can within your target market, you have to perfectly align your business with that target market. So the lack of growth is fundamentally a problem of misalignment. And as you said, it's like gears in a mechanical watch. If you misalign them, yeah, the watch may be working for a while, but then it will start to slow down and eventually stop ticking. It's the same with the business. So you understand that it's all about alignment for universal axis of alignment between any business and its target market. And the stunning fact, the stunning discovery I made is that those universal axis of alignment are truly universal. They apply to any business. So I can take a cafe on the left bank of Paris. I can take Tesla, I can take American Airlines. I can take your own business, Rashad, and I can take Blue Dots Partners, the business I'm running. They apply exactly the same way. And let me describe very quickly what they are. The first one is that the pain of the customer 
and the claim that the business makes to address that pain have to be aligned. Okay. So if you come to me and you have a headache, Rashad, and I said, well, you know, here is a stomach pill, you know, uh, a stomach ache pill, you're going to say, well, wait a minute, you know, my head is hurting, that's my pain. Your claim, which is to make my stomach free, I don't really care because it's not my stomach. So you will never buy my pill. The second axis is the way the claim is expressed, which is the messaging and the positioning. And the way that claim is understood, I have to be aligned. So let's assume I have a pill for your headache. It costs 99 cents. It will cure your headache in 10 minutes. But I describe it to you in Korean, and I'm assuming you don't speak Korean. You will look at me and you can say, what the heck is this guy talking about? And there is no way you're going to buy the pill because you don't understand what I mean, even the pill for your headache. That's the second axis. The third one is the way customers want to buy the product or acquire the product or the service and the way the business sells that product in the marketplace have to be aligned. So if I said, you know, Rashad, I, I, I'm here in Palo Alto in the Bay Area, you want my pill, you can get it, but you have to fly here. You're gonna say, wait a minute, you know, I'm in, I'm in Fort Worth in Texas. Why cannot walk to the next pharmacy and buy it over there? That's the third axis of alignment. And then the fourth one is my favorite one. I actually stole it out of the Apple playbook. As you say, I worked directly for Steve Jobs uh, for about a year. And, and in fact, if you ever wonder how I lost my hair, now you know the answer. <laughs> but there are a few lessons I learned from Steve. And, and one of them, which interestingly enough, I learned after I left Apple, I came to the realization that there is one unique business on this entire planet. There is not more than one. We are all in the exact same business, whether you're a dentist, whether you're selling on Google, whether you're selling cars, it's the same business. And that unique business is the manufacturing and delivery of delight. And let me say that again, because this is really profound. The unique business there is on this planet, we're all in the same business, which is we have to manufacture and we have to deliver delight. Now, when you buy a product, you have a certain delight expectation in your head before you use and consume that product. As you go through that consumption cycle with that product, that expectation has to be met. It has to be an alignment between what you expect and what's delivered to you. And that's the fourth axis. So again, the four axis of alignment, the four universal axis of alignment are that the pain of the customer and the claim the business makes have to be aligned. The messaging, which is the expression of the claim and the way it's understood have to be aligned. The way customers want to buy and to purchase and the way the business sells have to be aligned. And then finally, the expected delight of the customer and what the business delivers to that customer have to be aligned. And if you perfectly align your business along those four axes, go as much as you can within your target market. And that's really all um, what the book is, is about. And there's 20 case studies that really illustrate everyone and examples and, and measurements of those axes. Okay. That's what the book is about. That's what the book is about. That's that's uh that's excellent because it's it basically has has pillars that people can actually put into action and do marketing exactly. research based on it. Yes. So definitely I'm glad it's on this podcast. That way you can rewind it as much as possible and listen to it to the fa uh, listeners out there. So um alignment is key. That's that's awesome. Uh, so that's the secret, the secret sauce. Okay. So with the alignment, um, 
and we you're we're discussing growth. Um, what what was the reasoning, or why did you choose to focus on on growth specifically? As I said earlier, if you don't grow, you're you're dead, you're dying. And if you want to create value, which I assume is what most business people want to do with their own business, you have to grow. That's the only way. And in fact, if you look at the top companies, you can take any market segment, any market. So, um, for example, you can take uh, the crane industry, industry where people are selling cranes for construction. The top three players of any market are tremendously rewarded from a share value perspective. In other words, their share of value as publicly traded companies is much higher than their market share. So they may have a combined market share of 30%, but they may take 80% of the value of the equity value of, of, the, of, of, their, of their market value. And so now, if you want to be one of those top three, it means you have to grow faster than the 97 companies below you. You have to beat all those companies. That's the only way. You cannot get into that position if you're not growing faster. So that's an extreme example where in a given industry, whatever the industry is, the top three players are extremely rewarded from a value perspective. And the only way they can get there is by outpacing everybody else. And that's why growth is so critical. And that's true for a restaurant as well. If you're a restaurant and you're not growing as fast as your restaurant next door, then that restaurant is taking market share to you. A customer will eat over there and not to your place. And you don't want that. So that's why growth is really fundamental to success. There cannot be any success without growth. Okay. Um, is there a specific time period that, um, that you're allowed to grow, you're allowed to grow before you stale, become stale or stall out? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great question. So every market has its natural growth rate. Okay, so if you look at the electronic, the electric vehicle market, for example, it's growing at a certain pace. The entire market has its growth rate. Within that market, if you're electric vehicles, you want to measure your growth rate compared to that market growth rate. So the pace at which you decide to grow or can grow has to be controlled. So I, I talk about this in the book. I said, growth is like drinking. It has to be done responsibly. In other words, you can't just grow for the sake of growth, which is a very Silicon Valley mentality, by the way. I'm gonna raise millions of dollars from VCs and private equity firms so that I can grow and I don't really know profit. I don't have a line of sight to profitability. That's an afterthought. And I think that could be dangerous in some cases. So they are, the market has its own growth rate. And then you as a business, you have your own growth rate. For example, if you say, the only way I can grow is by hiring more salespeople. Well, it's not that easy to hire a lot of salespeople in a short period of time. So you have a constraint that's dictated by your inability to hire fast enough. So I think your question is great. And you have to be very thoughtful of how am I going to pace my growth with the, within the constraint of my business? It could be a financial constraint. It could be a geographic constraint. It could be an inability to hire fast. There's, there's always a lot of constraints. So you have to understand what constrains your growth and then try to address that first and said, okay, I need to solve that problem first. And then I can unleash the growth rate. 
Got it. I've heard a lot of stories where companies uh, grew too fast. Oh, yeah. That was the reason for their downfall. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So, so once you get these aligned, and I'm pretty sure, you know, it takes time and, you know, uh, marketing research, things of that nature. But once you, you know, know your target market and um, you kind of get things aligned, what, what are the traditional methods needed to grow a business? Yeah, so, so the, in order to align your business with your target market along the four axes, you have to understand where are you aligned? And to do that, you know, I, I'm a very data guy. I'm, I'm a scientist by background, I'm a physicist by background, and I, I do want to measure things. And so are we, and, and this is part of what I describe in the book, we at Blue Dots, the firm I'm managing, we developed a methodology to measure the coefficient of alignment from 0% to 100% along each of those four axes. And there are tools and methods to do that that I describe in the book. But the advantage of that, if you know your coefficient of alignment along the first axis, for example, the pain and the claim is you know, 53%, you know you have a long way to get to 100%, which is the target. Obviously, nobody is at 100%, but you need to have. And so the measurement is really the key to understanding. And then after that, you develop a set of actions. And that playbook, that growth playbook, is really the answer to the Monday morning at eight o'clock question because you know exactly what you need to do because you understand where you misaligned and you know what how you're gonna get better aligned and rectify those misalignments and that's really the whole way of approaching the how do I do it now that I understand that I need to be aligned. Okay, um, what is counter counterintuitive about your new paradigm? I'm sorry, can you say that again? I think I lost you for a second. What, what, is, what would you say is counterintuitive about your new paradigm? Well, I, I think that this idea that you can measure, you know, I think is surprising people. It's like, okay, I know I'm not quite aligned, but it's like, I don't know what to do about it. And, and I didn't know that you can actually measure scientifically the coefficient of alignment. And so I think, I think it's adding a data layer and understanding on the top of the problem that, that makes, it, you know, makes it very innovative. And, and in fact, you know, I, as you said, I've been on 21 boards and I always observe the same movie at the board meetings, which is the CEO comes and he says, well, I'm not gonna hit my numbers this quarter, my, my sales number, my revenue number. And he brings his VP of sales, the guy running sales, and the guy running sales says, well, I didn't do my quota, my numbers, because the leads are good quality. And so then the VP of marketing comes and he says, well, the leads are not good quality because the product doesn't have exactly the attributes or the functionality that we need and our competition is beating us. And then the poor product guy comes and he says, well, I couldn't build that feature because you didn't give me the budget I asked for. I didn't have the time, you gave me a timeline, I was crazy. So there is a secular finger pointing attitude that says, you know, the CEO goes to the VP of sales, goes to marketing, goes to product and goes to financial finance. And then the board gives the direction of the CEO makes decision to grow faster, to do something. And I always ask, I said, well, show me the data. Why did you make that decision? Why do you think that's the problem? And show me the, the data, which what I call the market truth. I want to know what the market is truly thinking I, you know, it's not what you 
um, it's not your hypothesis. It's not what you think. It might happen. It's not a guess. I want to look at a number. And the traditional methods, again, of adding, hiring more salespeople, which is the typical knee-jerk reaction. It's like, we need to hire more salespeople. We need to beat your sales. That, in my experience, very rarely works. And the reason is because it's emotional and sales may not be the fundamental reason you're not going. You may be an A2 misalignment where you're messaging it off and you can have the best sales force in the world. They're still not going to sell as much because the messaging is off. And so the counterintuitiveness comes from the fact that you can rationally look at it, take the emotion out of the discussion, measure, and then put an action plan based on the data. And, and that's very, very that, that nobody else has done before, as far as I know. Wow. Okay. So this is very interesting. Based on being a data guy, you, you can still operate the, the messaging. You can, I guess, um, <laughs> you can measure, you can, me you can measure and then, and then be able to, uh, change your messaging. And, and, um, I'm looking at it from a social media perspective, right? So like mm -hmm. Facebook, if um, you can take all of the data and all of the, um, the analytics and run A-B testing and kind of come up with different, you know, strategies or, you know, different creatives and things of that nature. Is that basically yeah. what you're saying? Yeah, but it's a bit different. It's a bit more sophisticated. The problem with Facebook is that if somebody expresses his or her voice on Facebook, you don't even know if that person is truly a customer or not. Right? You don't know the level of attraction between that person and your product really is. And so you may make decisions thinking that they're all customers, but they may not all be customers. They may all have a hidden agenda and the reason that they're going to quit. They may actually belong to your competitors and criticize your product. Well, that's, that's dangerous because you're going to make a decision based on that, and that person is not a customer. In fact, it's their vested interest to critique your product. So the way we do it is we actually call customers. And, and, and lost customers and prospect and lost prospects. Those are the four categories. And I call you as a customer and I said, I know you're using my product, Rashad. How would you describe what my product does in one sentence? Just one sentence. If you, if you, if you meet a friend and, and you describe what, what, the pro, what my product does, which is the product you bought, again, how would you describe that? So if you ask that to 40 or 50 people and you analyze those sentences, you can actually see how much they converge into the sentence that's on the that describes the product, right? So, and you can measure how far that description, the average description of those 50 customers and your description on your website, which is your message. So you can compare the perception and your message and you can measure the alignment I'm simplifying a little bit. It's a bit more complicated than that. But that's how we measure, for example, the alignment between the message and the perception. Okay. Okay. Um, that's, you have that's... to talk to those customers. You have to get the market truth. And by the way, we Blue Dots are talking to the customers, not the company, because the company, first of all, the company doesn't really want to hear if it's bad news. And secondly, the customer never likes to talk to the company because it's like, well, you know, I don't really like your product, but I don't really like telling you I don't like my product. 
Whereas if they talk to me as Blue Dots, I said, look, I work for Blue Dot. I don't company. I don't care about the company. I don't really care if you tell me you hate the product or hate the CEO's haircut. It's fine with me. I, I, and I'm not trying to sell you anything. I just want to ask you, can you describe in one sentence what the company does? And so it gives us the integrity and the objectivity that is critical to be able to get to the market truth that the executive team or the CEO cannot get by calling directly the customer. It just doesn't work. Okay. It's very subtle. You have to do it in the right way. Otherwise, you're not measuring correctly. Right. Right. And 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 the people that you're... Um... So you said they're, they're basically old customers or someone who's purchased before or people that you know is a direct customer. Right, you have to know that they are a customer indeed. Or they are a lost customer, somebody who just decided to stop using your product six months ago. And then that's a very interesting thing as well because you can ask them and say, yeah, I know you stopped using the product of that company. Uh, you have good reasons. I'm not trying to come to you otherwise. I'm sure you made the decision for you. Tell me, why did you stop using that product? And we always, we've done this, you know, many, many times for our clients. And we're always, when we bring that back to the client, to our client, they are very surprised that, oh my gosh, I can't believe that they stopped using it for that reason. And there's always a, lots of key insights and eye-opening to the market truth that we're bringing back to those companies that we're helping to grow. Yeah, I can see how they would tell your company the truth as yes. opposed to the actual company that let them down so yeah. yeah um so you're saying that this can be done in any industry that's correct yeah. okay. as long as they are a transaction means somebody is buying something and as long as you have enough transactions right so if you have a business and you have eight customers this method you I mean you should know that those eight customer call you don't need to do this analysis so there has to be, you know, at least 50 to 100 customers, um, but, but it applies to pretty much any business. I mean, if your business has less than 100 customers, it probably doesn't need that. And there are not that many businesses that have only, you know, a handful of customers. Okay. Um, so from the business perspective, they would need a way to keep up with customers, lead generation or email campaigns just to keep up with these Well, they should know, they should be able to talk to their customers, right? I mean, if you have customers, and you don't know who they are, then the first thing you need to do is you need to acquire that data and that information. You need to know who your customers are because otherwise you cannot do anything. You just know that somebody a product, you have no uh, database, you have no, you have no view on who they are. You know, is this a woman, is this a man, what age? I mean, there's, there's many questions that you need to understand. You need to segment your market and understand those segments for sure. Okay. Um, so what was it in your background that was critical to invent this new paradigm? Well, I think it's, it's my physics background. So I've done research in physics, you know, in, in chaos theory, um, which I use every day with all those Um It's really interesting. I think that physics helps you understand the world based on what the world truly is. And what I mean by that is that there are four fundamental forces in the world that govern the behavior of the entire universe. And that's it, there's no, no more than four. And when you understand physics and you put together those models, those, those theories, then you test those theories against an experiment and the experiments with either 
validate and validate the theory. It's very black and white. And I think there is no reason to not think that businesses are like that. So the understanding of why customers truly buy, there's a reason they bought, always. It may be emotional, it may not be rational, but there is a reason. And the understanding of the forces behind those, you know, is really important. And the way I'm thinking about this is those four universal axis of alignment are the equivalent of the four fundamental universal forces of the universe. And that's the way the business is driven. And there are no other one, there's no other forces. Although that's not completely true. There is a fifth alignment and I actually dedicate the last chapter of the book on it because this is actually really important as well. And the fifth alignment is the internal alignment. If the organization is not internally aligned, then they will not be able to execute the external alignments. So you start with understanding and having a growth playbook and then you have to have a team who is behind the execution of that growth playbook and they have to be internally aligned. And if internally aligned, you will not go as fast because there is no execution of the growth playbook. So I'm thinking always as four plus one, the four external alignment with the market equivalent to the four forces of the universe. And then there is one more alignment, which is the internal alignment uh, that has to be there for the execution of the growth playbook. So the so forces of the universe. Just to answer your question quickly, I mean, physics and the way I look at the world through my physicist eyes really gave me this new idea of looking at it from that business person. And I think that's why, that's why I was able to come up with those ideas. When, when you were, when you were uh, in school and, and, and studying for physics and everything, did you ever think that it was translate to business? No, in fact, I, I no, I mean, I had no idea that I would apply any physics in, in a business. Um, but, but it just gives me a way to look at the world that most people don't have because don't necessarily have interest or the background in physics. Um, and I knew that when I was studying physics, I didn't want to spend the rest of my life doing research because it's a very lonely job. You're working very deep on a, on a field in physics, there's many fields. And there is only a few a handful of teams in the world that understand and that are working on the same problem. And I'm a, I'm a people's guy, I, I like people. And it's like, you know, if I keep doing this the rest of my life, I'm gonna interact with a few teams, you know, in the US and maybe Japan and wherever they are, interact with people. I'm, I, and so I very early, I decided that I will not be a research physicist for the rest of my life, that, that I wanted to go into business. And the other thing that's really interesting about business is, which is completely opposite to physics, is that physics is extremely rational. It's very binary. When you, when you have a law in physics, the world follows that law. And if it doesn't, then you need to find another law that will replace the first one. That's how we went from traditional mechanics to quantum physics. And, you know, I, but the business is actually, the, the vast majority of the case, people are making decisions based on emotions, not really rationals. You know, they buy a product for emotion. So once you and once you rationalize that argument that they make irrational decisions, and once you understand that, then you can start to go to the next level, which is this whole alignment thing. So, um, but people is really the key. That that is the thing that makes me tick, and, and trying to help entrepreneurs because I've been an entrepreneur. I know how hard it is. It's really difficult. It's a lonely job. You can't talk to your wife. You can't talk to your board. You can't talk to your executive team because they would freak out. You have to carry on and you have to figure it out. 
and it's really, really hard and it's very tedious. And, you know, Silicon Valley has the tendency to emphasize the glamorous aspect of entrepreneurship and those great entrepreneurs that build billions of dollars. Well, I tell you, those are exceptional people. There's not that many companies that reach a billion dollars in market cap. And the reality is that it's very grinding, it's very difficult, it's very lonely. And I have full empathy with any entrepreneurs, whether you're selling an ice cream on the corner of the street or building the next test, you know, I know how hard it is and, and I want to help. I really want, I, because I've been through it and I know how hard it is, I want to help. And that's also why I wrote the book. Oh, awesome. Awesome. We need, there's a lot of people out here that, that need the actual step-by-step guide. Yeah. Um, yeah. And at this moment in time, things are changing really fast as far as, you know, um, technology is concerned. Yeah, and innovation, right? Right. Will you be writing a book, because I would definitely read it, about <laughs> the way that physics is basically uh, evolved into business or how they relate? Have you ever thought about yeah, I so when, when I wrote the book, Aligning the Dots, um, I sent a manuscript to my editor and she called me back and she said, Philip, you send me a manuscript that has 80,000 words. A book is typically between 30 and 35,000 words. So she said to me, send me two books. And uh, are you writing two books? I said, no, I'm just writing one book. And then she said, okay, you need to cut half of the book. And I told her, I said, look, I am not going to cut my own finger. You have to cut it. I mean, you're the editor. That's what you do. That's your job. You know, I, I think everything I wrote is important. Otherwise, I would not have written it. Um, and so then she said, you know, your book is very confusing because there is a lot of physics and math in your book and there's a bit stuff in your book. And she looked at me and she said, what kind of book do you want to write? Do you want to write an academic book or do you want to write a business book? And I said, with no hesitation, I want to write a business book to help entrepreneurs. But the reason I'm putting all this physics in there and not this math is because I want them to understand this measurement methodology and, and how to look at the data. And she said, you're going to lose everybody within five minutes. She said, you, you cannot put all those things. There's, there's quantum physics, there's all kinds of things, analogies and thermodynamics. She said, oh. So she said, you know, okay, if you want to write a book, I'm going to take out all the physics and the math stuff. I'm going to keep very little of it. And then if you want to write another book about how physics apply to business, then that could be your next book. And it's exactly the idea that you're suggesting. So I, I don't know. I, I'm interested in the idea of writing that book. I just don't have the time right now. I mean, it, it's time, it takes a lot of time to write a book. Um, oh, yeah. but, I think, but I think it's a really interesting concept because there's a lot of analogy of physics that can be applied to business and, and to life in general, I should say. I definitely agree. Um, that's basically the, the name of my brand and, and what I teach people is kind of, if you can get aligned, you know, aligned with yourself through, you know, just uh, meditation and, and motivation. Yeah, and absolutely. You can, you know, it's, to me, it's all universal. You know, yeah. yeah. So that's a little bit about what I teach, or what yeah, I try to I, show people. Yeah, and I think you know, being aligned internally with yourself and with the world, and being in harmony is really critical. And that's what physics is all about, by the way. All the stars are perfectly aligned according to the laws, according to universal laws. 
but there is a very clear and, and, and fascinating order and alignment that makes this universe be what it is today. Um, and, and it evolves, it is changing a lot. Um, and, and the same way markets and innovation are changing and the way people think about uh, dealing and, and, and you know, living is also changed. Um, and so I think you're absolutely right. I, I mean, to me, alignment, I mean, I use this word, you know, a thousand times a day. I mean, that's, that's all, it, that it's all about alignment and you can look at any facets of life and universe and things around us and you will find alignment everywhere. I mean, you will find alignment everywhere. Yeah, if definitely. If you a open your eyes, you just kind of look. A surgeon that's operating a brain is all about alignment. If he's misaligned, it's a big deal. Uh, docking into the International Space Station is all about alignment. I mean, it's pretty crazy. Uh, finding gravity waves, which was done, uh, I think, in 2017. I talk about this a bit in my book. With those devices, they built two of those devices. They measure those alignments at, at a precision that's unbelievable. And even Einstein said, we will never be able to measure them, and we did. Um, and so, you know, you look at the blue angels flying together 18 inches apart, it's all about alignment. I mean, everything you can really, if you put that alignment lens on top of your eyes, you'll see that the whole world is all about alignment. Everything is about alignment. Wow, I never looked at it like that. That's, that's a way to, that's something to open your eyes and, and begin to see. Um, yeah. 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 So careers and, and I guess uh, entanglements, relationships and all of that, you know, you always hear the word alignment when someone is talking about those things. Yeah. 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 So moving on in life, you know, that's, <laughs> that's the key. That's right. And if you're going to marry somebody, you plan for a long time. And by the way, that person will change, you will change. So the alignment is a constant struggle. I mean, it changes all the time. When I align my business with my market, well, guess what? Two years from now, the market has changed because as you said earlier, there is new innovation, new technology, new business models, new markets that never thought would be existing. And now you have to realign because if you're not realigning dynamically, so it's a never ending quest. The alignment is, is not one thing you do and then you're done. That's not the way it works. You have right. to realign constantly. Oh, wow. Um, it's a battle. So with that, being not aligned, can you give an example of a, a bad and a good alignment? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, the, the prime example of a bad alignment, and I'm assuming you're asking in business, um, is, is Theranos. You know, Theranos was put together by Elizabeth Holmes. Uh, she dropped out of Stanford, she was 19. And the idea was you could run dozens of blood tests of one single drop of blood. It's a very appealing idea. No need to needle in your arm anymore. And she raised a lot of money. The problem is that the tests were inaccurate and didn't work. And so what happens is that the A4, if you look at the expected delight in the delivery, were completely misaligned, right? I'm, I'm giving a blood of my, uh, of my sorry, I'm giving a blood of my drug and and the tests are just not, are not correct, are not accurate. Um, the, the company was a disaster and, you know, she went through, and, and, and um, um, John Carreau, a journalist at the Wall Street Journal, wrote a fantastic book, it's called Bad Blood, about this particular story of Theranos. And she went through a trial and she was convicted just like four or five weeks ago, not too long ago. Um, 
and the company completely shut down. So that's a massive misalignment where what she promised didn't really happen. Um, you know, a good alignment would be Apple because when you interact with the product, the level of delight you have interacting with that product is very high. There is a very good alignment between what you expect and what's delivered. Um, so Apple is probably one of the most, one of the best aligned companies that I know of. Um, and that's the reason they are so successful today and they are worth you know, over $2 trillion in the marketplace. You know? So tremendous alignment there. And, and in all kinds of details, I mean, not, not just the experience of the product, but in, in many aspects of what they do, they are truly well aligned. Yeah, you can tell. You can definitely tell that that's a company that communicates with their, their customers and, and, and stay aligned yeah. with what it is yeah. that they want. Well, Dr. Philip Bousseau, I would like to thank you for being here with us today. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me on the show, Rashad. I really enjoyed our discussion and your thoughtful questions. Thank you so much. Thank you for checking out the show today. We look to enlighten you. If you would like to support the show, we don't believe in accepting handouts, so we have made available merchandise that we will provide you for your support of the show that's right just head over to millionairebymorning.store and pick up a shirt to lounge in to work out in or a mug to sip your morning coffee from okay either way we thank you you and don't forget to get out and make millions oh you gotta make millions